Hi, this is Jovi. This is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Crime Stories. Stories. This is a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Yes, we do. And uh, as we're on Zoom, I see in the background of Charlie a bottle of wine. So she is drinking wine, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I am nothing if not predictable. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, at least you're actually following what this podcast is is you know drinking and it's like it's like our mission statement i know and i don't i think i've partake partook partaken partooken partooken and it maybe once or twice but Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a failure i'm sorry yeah maybe we need to change our intro weekly true crime podcast where we take turns telling each other the stories (laughs) well i mean i drink water so i drink something that's true it so. doesn't have to be an alcoholic drink. It's just mm. a drink. A drink. A drink. A drink. <laughs> so I know we kind of mm. went over everything that we were watching and reading the last episode. So was there anything that you would like to add or discuss? No, I feel like I'm like looking around for something to talk about. I don't really have anything <laughs> new going on. I think we mentioned it in passing in the last episode about... Um, the one of the last of the manson girls who got declined mm. for parole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not a shocker not yeah. even a little bit of a shocker like i could um, i could have told you that yeah i um somebody um when i when i worked at the healthcare establishment before the one i'm currently working at mm-hmm. um is missing she's been missing for 10 days now yeah like i know i know who she is i worked with her i mean we didn't work in the same department but like i know who she is she's gone the last anybody knew she they saw her getting in her car and she's been gone for 10 days got saw her getting in her car at work i don't it didn't really specify um wow i don't know if it was at work or at a store or something but yeah um and she's in clear water i want to say clear water yeah my god yeah so i I saw that and I was just like, no shit. And I, w- <laughs> I was talking to a coworker about it because um, she actually brought it to my attention. And she's like, yeah, you know, um, her male roommate let him in and, you know, let the police in and looked and answer all the questions. Is that the other thing? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No. I'm like, he could just be saving face. Yeah. You know, you don't know. You don't know. I'm like, I'm like, please, girl, I do a true crime podcast. Nah. <laughs> we <Nuh-uh>. know <laughs> we know but yeah that's that's a a developing thing here and if i'll keep you guys posted but i just think yeah. it's so crazy that somebody i actually knew like we weren't friends yeah. but i knew who she was i've said hi to her a couple of times but it's just it's crazy that is crazy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow um yeah california governor blocks parole of charles manson cult follower it's patricia krenwinkel mm um she's actually the longest serving woman prisoner in the united states no shit yeah she's been in prison for more than 50 years wow i mean yep. congratulations mm-hmm. oh, um she was see now it's funny she was um i know she was involved in the Labianca murders but i actually don't think she was involved in the um the Tate murders. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do more. Do I haven't done anything with Manson, so I might have to do that. But I mean, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, she's the longest-serving female inmate 
and she became the longest serving female inmate when Susan Atkins, fellow Manson follower, died of cancer in prison in 2009. Oh, shit. Yep. Damn. I mean, not exactly a title you want to be proud of, but I mean, you did. No, (laughs) no. You know, I got to say, and I don't think that this is... I understand not granting parole, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it mm. with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it with them. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. And then I think also the other big, the other big crime news was that all charges were dropped against Adnan Syed. Yes. 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 Which shocked by that. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Really shocked by that. So Yeah. That's that's kind of that's what's new in crime. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. We just talked so much the last episode. I'm like, we did. <laughs> don't know what else to say right now. <laughs> Nothing left to say to you. Well, with that being said, I mm-hmm. think we should get into tonight's bed crime story. So, Charlie, why don't you take it away? Okie dokie. So, big old trigger warning on this. Mm. Tonight's episode. Um, is all about the Cleveland Elementary School shooting. Oh, no. Now, this is famous for a different reason than it just being a school shooting. And once I start telling the story, I think you're going to realize who it is that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but just the idea of it being a school shooting is it's triggering hard. in and of itself. <laughs> yes, especially because guess what? They happen Hi. more often than not. This is America. So mm-hmm. my sources for tonight are as follows. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm murderpedia mm-hmm. an article by good housekeeping oh <laughs> yeah what um yeah i guess it was just one of their like human interest stories that they did okay. Okay. from back in like 1998 okay and an article from the sd police museum mm-hmm. san diego police 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 okay Brenda Ann Spencer was born April 3rd, 1962 to Dot and Wallace Spencer. Her parents separated when she was young and Brenda lived in relative poverty with her father, Wallace, directly across the street from Grover Cleveland Elementary School in the San Carlos neighborhood of San Diego, California. Brenda and her father shared a single mattress on the living room floor and there were reportedly half empty bottles of alcohol scattered around the home. Stop it. Yes. Later in interviews, Brenda did state that her father would subject her to physical and sexual abuse when he was drinking. But Wallace does deny all of those allegations. Of course he does. Yes. Of course he does. Nobody willingly says, yes, I I diddled my kid. No, that's, that's not how that happens. Correct. In early 1978, staff at a facility for troubled students where Brenda had been visiting due to repeatedly skipping school, so like a truancy Mm -hmm. um, thing, the facility informed her parents that Brenda was suicidal. That summer, 1978, Brenda was arrested for shooting out the windows at the Cleveland Elementary School with a BB gun and for burglary. No shit. Yes. In December... A psychiatric evaluation arranged by her probation officer recommended Brenda to be admitted to a mental hospital due to her incredibly severe depression, but her father refused to give permission for her admittance. Of course he did. 
Yes. Because because why would he be like, no, my daughter should get some My help. kid needs help. Yes. Yeah. But instead he's like, no, because if I let her go, I'm going to sleep on the mattress by myself and diddle myself instead of her. And Correct. Can't do that. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Kids in the neighborhood would later say that Brenda had a reputation for torturing cats mm. um, and that she had dug a series of tunnels in her backyard, which is just like a weird thing. Okay. And adults would describe her as quiet and a loner. Mm. Now, in December, instead of giving permission for her to go to that mental hospital, instead, for Christmas, Wallace gave her a Ruger 1022 semi-automatic 22 caliber rifle with a telescopic sight lens <sighs> and 500 rounds of ammunition. Is he? Is this guy for fucking real? He apparently was. Wow. Brenda, yeah. Brenda later said, quote, I asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. When asked why he might have done that, she answered, quote, I felt like he wanted me to kill myself. Oof. Yeah, not but, great. But with that gun, like, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. On the morning of May uh, of Monday, January 29th, 1979, so only a few weeks after she got that gun. Mm-hmm. Brenda began shooting at children, waiting for 53-year-old Principal Burton Rag to open the gates at Grover Cleveland Elementary. So they were standing on the sidewalk outside of the gates of the school, waiting for the principal to open the gates. Wow. She injured eight children. Um, The first child, um, actually the first victim was nine-year-old Cam Miller. um, And she started with him because he was wearing blue, which was her favorite color. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. She shot and killed Principal Rag as he and teacher Daryl Barnes tried to help the children who were running around. Mm Mm-hmm. She also killed 56-year-old custodian Mike Suker as he tried to pull a student to safety. They were actually the only two casualties were the two teachers, well, the the principal and the custodian. While that's sad, I'm glad to hear that. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I don't, I'm not happy that Mm -hmm. they were killed, but like, Mm -hmm. at least it was only two. One of the articles I read, I think it was the Good Housekeeping article. And they had interviewed one of the little kids uh, or they had, whatever it was like from an interview from one of the little kids. And they quoted as saying like, he was the best custodian anybody could ever have. Like, it's just oh, like the most no. things that these little boobalas had. A, oh, it's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Mm-mm. 28-year-old police officer, Robert Robb. It's just unfortunate. Just unfortunate. Um, He had responded to the. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. The parents didn't think that one through, did they? They just weren't creative, you know? Not at all. (laughs) Police officer Robert Robb had responded to the call for assistance during the incident. And as he arrived, he was wounded in in the neck. Now he (laughs) was, he did survive and he like narrowly escaped being paralyzed from the neck down so for all intents and purposes truly got incredibly incredibly lucky holy shit dude yeah further casualties were avoided because the police obstructed her line of sight by moving a garbage truck in front of the school entrance smart very Very smart smart. very intuitive yes after firing 36 times in only 15 minutes Brenda barricaded herself inside her home for several hours. While she was there in her home, she spoke by 
telephone to a reporter from the San Diego Union Tribune who was able to get in touch with her because they just started randomly calling telephone numbers in the neighborhood and got in touch with the teenager while she was in her home. What? Yeah. I think now, again, I wasn't alive in the 70s, but I think this was the time where you were like, Roosevelt 224. Uh, Okay. Okay. I could be completely wrong and like thinking that that was way more recent than it actually was. Because that's the only way I can think of that you would just randomly call numbers and know that it was in this one specific neighborhood. I. Unless you were just looking in the phone book for like addresses in that area and just guessed that this was the address <laughs> or it was roosevelt 224 <laughs> I, I don't think it was that either i don't think it was that i, I, I think that was like, from like the 40s yes okay. i was gonna say because i think in that time it was the rotary phone yes roosevelt 224 okay <clears throat> which is now my new favorite thing okay yes, yes it is uh, so anyway they randomly got in touch with brenda so Brenda tells the reporter she had shot the school children and adults because, quote, I just did it for the fun of it. I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. And then she says, I have to go now. I shot a pig, a.k.a. policeman. And I want to shoot more. I'm just having so much fun. <laughs> wow. She also, yeah. She also said to him, I have no reason for it. It was just a lot of fun. It was just like shooting ducks in a pond. They looked like a herd of cows just standing around. It was really easy pickings. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Mm-hmm. She also told police negotiators that the children and adults who had that she had shot were easy targets and that she was going to come out shooting when she surrendered. Ultimately, however, she did surrender and leave the house after being promised Burger King by the negotiators. All this for fucking Burger King. All this for a whopper. Wow. Wow. Pam Miller, the first child who was shot, later Mm -hmm. recalls the events of that day. His mother had just dropped him off at school, and she later said that she thought she heard a car backfire as she pulled Uh, away. Oh, no. Yeah. Cam was hit by the very first shot. He said that it felt like an electric shock next to his heart. He blacked out for a moment, was led away from the immediate area area by a seven-year-old student at the school. Stop it. Yeah. The bullet struck Cam in the back and exited his chest, missing any internal organs. So again, just like this, the odd luck, you know? Yeah. Cam grew up with an overwhelming fear of leaving his back exposed. He said that if he went somewhere like a restaurant, he would have to sit where he could avoid having his back at the window. As a child, he suffered terrifying nightmares of Brenda Spencer, quote, popping up out of the bathtub to finish me off. Nope. Oh, yeah. no, that's Poor terrible. Baby. For a couple of months, he would wake up his mother at night and have her walk him around the house to the back where he, there was a wall of windows and he would touch each pane of glass to ensure that none of them was broken and that she hadn't been able to slip inside. Oh, poor baby. Uh, no. He said, quote, the fear I had was that I was that I never saw her. So like mm, he just the fear was like it came out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was wearing that brand new blue down vest and a matching shirt the day he was shot. He later heard that it was because it was his favorite, her favorite color. And he never, he doesn't wear blue shirts to this day. I was just going to say that. I bet he'll never wear blue ever again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
That poor mm-hmm. child. Talk about this like everlasting trauma. Uh, no. And like, you know. All because she was bored and she hated Mondays. Of, yeah. That's it. That's like, it. And her, these... her, her father of the year mm-hmm. giving her a gun instead yep. of what she asked for, a radio? A radio. Radio, yeah. It yeah. probably would have been cheaper for me to get a radio too. Legit, legit. It's like all of these kids, you know, we we hear about this stuff in the news all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, just thinking about like reading, this is why I wanted to tell like these stories. I have a story about another one of the, the little kids as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that that's the important thing to talk about. Like yes. this everlasting lifelong fucking trauma. Mm-hmm. That these kids are left with. And like, yes, these two children that I'm going to tell you about were legitimately hit by the bullets, but even the kids that are in that classroom who see these things or yes. are just witnesses to it. What happened to that seven-year-old child who child who pulled this nine-year-old child out of the way of these bullets? Right. Like, How do you continue with your life with that being in your mind for the rest of your life? I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the amount of therapy. <laughs> like- I awful uh, too young, too young to have to experience that. Too yeah. young to just know. Oh. And I had posted, um, or I'd seen in the article, and I didn't put it on here, but I will tell you, um, I'd seen in one of the articles that he, what the school did offer counseling after all of this happened. Yeah, he wound up not taking the counseling. His parents never spoke of the incident, and relied on like their faith to get them oh through. no see that doesn't help either like no. holding it back and not talking mm-hmm. about it is only going to make things worse because you know it's going to fester in your brain and you're just going to think of everything and just yeah. no you well, need you know to talk about i have it. to say it's only until our generation until these elder millennials and younger millennials are so open about um mental health and mm self-care and actually going to therapy and normalizing the idea of like trying to fix yourself and overcome childhood trauma and stuff. The, I can't even imagine the stigma of this nine-year-old little boy in the late seventies, early eighties wanting to get help and like what that must've meant for his family, like how embarrassing that would have been or how taboo it would have been. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I have to say, People love to like blame shit on us millennials, Mm -hmm. but if there's one thing that we figured out, it's how to take care of our mental health or at least start talking about it and not making it something to be ashamed of. Correct. I got to tell you, I've, I've graduated at therapy that I only have to go every three months. That's awesome. I finally get to go back to therapy on Tuesday and I can't fucking wait. I've been like counting down days to get to go back because there's like, every time something happens, I like write it down. I'm like, I can't wait to tell my therapist that this happened Mm -hmm. good or bad. And it's just like, there's so much to say. Yeah. All that baggage that you deal with for your whole life. And I'm like, so thankful that therapy is a thing. Yes. Oh, I agree. 100%. I can talk to you, Jovi. I can talk to my boyfriend. I can talk to my sister about this shit till I'm blue in my face, but there's something so magical about having a person who's completely neutral and separated from your life to sit there and tell you like, no, no, it's fucked up. Like you're allowed to know that that's fucked up. It's fucked up. And it's okay for you to be mad. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So it's, anyway, it's, it is. It's truly wonderful. Mm-hmm. If you don't go, go. And I'm so thankful. I'm so happy for you too, Jovi, that you've found therapy yes, and your fiance you. as well. I think that's just like thank the most you. 
healthy thing that you could do for yourself. And it's like, even if you don't think that you need it, honey, (laughs) you do. And I saw a thing, I saw a thing the other day. It was like, people go to therapy because of the people in their lives who refuse to go to therapy. (laughs) I mean, where's the lie though? It's a hundred percent true. And it's like, I'm sorry, our generation and younger are none of our parents went to therapy. It was, you know, you don't do that. Right. You got to suck it up. Right. Rub some dirt in it. Take it like a man. Well, you know, their therapy, our parents version of therapy though, you know, depending on what era they grew up in was drugs and alcohol. Amen. It was not, um, talking to an actual therapist. It was Mm -hmm. basically self-medication. Yes through whatever means, whether it was drugs or alcohol, or just like a separation of reality to, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's one of those things of like, whatever it was like, you know, right. Drugs, alcohol, or whatever vice it was that masked all that crap that you're dealing with as a child. And now we're the ones who are suffering and it's just so stupid. It is so stupid, but basically this is your PSA to tell (laughs) you to find a therapist, even if you don't have trauma, just to have somebody to talk to, to mm-hmm. get things off your chest. And like Charlie said, talk to somebody who is neutral, you know, somebody who's not a neutral party. Yeah. Neutral party, not involved in whatever's going on because they mm-hmm. could see things with a clear eye. Yeah. And they can see through you too. Yes. Like when you say things, there's plenty of times where I've said to her or made some sort of excuse for myself. She's like, but really though, like, yeah. Yep. Is that really how you want to handle? I'm like, well, I guess no. I guess that's not exactly the healthiest coping mechanism. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's it's um, wonderful. It yeah. it really is. But trauma, that's why I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> legit. Oh, legit. Right. So jumping back into this incredibly depressing story. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> Cam is a probation officer now. Oh, wow. Um, so his like primary job role, he conducts jailhouse interviews and prepares. Uh, pre-sentencing reports that help determine punishment for criminals. That's like his main job. Uh Uh-huh. And he says that whenever a shooting is on the news, he finds himself watching for the faces of young survivors. He says, quote, I think it's really sad. All these kids are going to have to go through what I've gone through all my life. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Christy Buell, another nine-year-old had walked the couple of blocks to school. Her widowed father had um, considered the idea of letting Christy and her siblings play hooky that day so they could all drive out to the mountains, but he had thought better of the idea and let her walk to school. And when she was there, her and a friend of hers were playing slip and slide on the frosty grass (laughs) outside before the first bell. And she hears this popping noise. She says, quote, all of a sudden it felt like my whole body was falling asleep like pinpricks all over. We just heard someone shouting, run, run. I crawled up the pathway to the speech room. The teacher heard me crying and opened the door and pulled me in and two more bullets whizzed by overhead into the door. She says, I don't remember her name, but she saved my life that day. Oh my God. Uh... Yeah. (sighs) So the San Diego County district attorney, Uh, whose investigation of Brenda Spencer eventually fills dozens of boxes privately concluded that she was a sociopath, which (laughs) I mean, I'm really shocked by her diagnosis. (laughs) That's sarcasm. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you couldn't tell (laughs) quote, we interviewed a friend of hers who admitted the two of them had been planning to kill someone for some time. Says Andrea Crisanti, the deputy DA who was assigned to monitor the case in the event that Brenda requests parole. Quote, they decided they wanted to kill a cop, 
to see what that would feel like. Their first plan was to go up to a policeman sitting in his car and Brenda would go to the passenger window to distract him. And the friend would take Brenda's 22 and shoot him from the driver's side. Then they thought maybe they'd handcuff him to the steering wheel and shoot him with his own service revolver. (sighs) Then they decided they would lure him into a public restroom, throw eggs at the car and swing an ax and kill him there. This was the mindset of Brenda Spencer. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Brenda was tried as an adult and she pled guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. She was 16 at the time of the crime. I don't think I said that. No, you didn't. Um, That's okay. I apologize. So she was tried tried as an adult. She pled guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. She was sentenced to prison for 25 years to life. Um, In prison, Brenda was diagnosed as epileptic, and she does take Mm. medication to treat both her epilepsy and her depression. Mm -hmm. She's at the California Institution for Women in Chino, California. Oh, look at that. (laughs) That's another reason why I asked if (laughs) what's-her-face is at Chino. I wonder if they're BFFs. (laughs) Maybe they are. They're both a little depraved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, under the terms of her sentencing, Brenda has become, uh, Brenda became eligible for parole in 1993. And as of 2022, her last parole hearing was actually in August of 2022. Brenda has been unsuccessful at six parole board hearings. Good. I hope one of which she actually declined to go to. So, um, another interesting thing that was in the article, I didn't write it here, but I'll tell you about it anyway. (laughs) Um, Cam had all intentions of confronting her in person in 1998, one of her parole hearings. Okay. He was there with his wife and he was like all about to confront her personally. He's waiting in the room and she never showed up. Apparently her lawyer had told her like, you're not going to get granted parole. So you just should give it up. So she just declined the hearing and went back to her cell. So he never had the chance at that point to, I would have been so pissed Mm -hmm. because like that would have felt so good to be. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, and I can't even imagine the nerve that he had to work Mm -hmm. up to get to that place, to be able to say something. Right. Um, Now I will say I didn't, I didn't look deep enough to see if he eventually did get the opportunity to confront her personally after that at any of these other parole board hearings. Yeah. But in 1998, that's what happened. She just declined to go to the hearing at all. He would have ripped her a new asshole. I feel it. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. feel it. And like, but like in the calmest way possible in the classiest way possible. Yes. And which is even worse, which is even worse, you know? Yeah. Um, a plaque and flagpole were erected at Cleveland elementary in memory of the shooting victims. The school was closed in 1983 due to that's mine and Jovi's birth year. That's why we, I whooped. It was closed in 1983 due to declining enrollment in the following decades. It was leased to several charter and private schools in 2018. The school was demolished and the plaque was relocated to a nearby street corner. Okay. Now, Here's a weird fun fact. Bob Geldof, who he was the lead singer of a group called the Boomtown Rats. He's a UK singer, probably best known for being the person who, you know, the Live Aid song, Do They Know It's Christmas? Yes. Yes. He's the one who like arranged that. Oh, okay. He is also one of the people who got Live Aid, that huge concert, like that Queen performed at. Yeah. Paul McCartney, et cetera, et cetera. He was one of the main organizers of live aid 
Oh, that's awesome. That's kind of like where I know Bob Geldof from. I yeah. don't know anything about the Boomtown Rats, but <laughs> I only know him because of Live Aid. And Do We Know It's Christmas is one of my favorite Christmas songs. I don't even care. It's so <laughs> cheesy. It's so cheeseball. But Boy George rocks my socks and he's the first person to sing lead in Do They Know It's Christmas. And mm-hmm. he has the most beautiful voice. And I love Boy George. Anyway. <laughs> <sighs> okay, Bob Geldof, the lead singer of the Boomtown Rats. Apparently, he was like at school at the University of Atlanta. So, oh. rando fact. Okay. And he read about the incident when a news story about it came off the telex at the campus radio station at Georgia State University in Atlanta. And he started to write a song about it. The song is called I Don't Like Mondays. It was released in July of 1979. It was a number one hit for four weeks in the UK. And it was the band's biggest hit in their native Ireland. Oh, wow. Although it did not make the top 40 in the U.S., it still received extensive radio airplay outside the San Diego area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they did not play it there. Um, and the Spencer family, Brenda's family, tried to prevent it from being played on the radio in the U.S. Fuck that. It's like, girl, you don't get us saying that. Yeah, you, you kind of, no, just none of that. sorry (laughs) that's not Um, how it works (laughs) fuck your feelings bitch so (laughs) geldoff has later mentioned that brenda had wrote to him saying quote she was glad she'd done it or she was glad he'd done it because i'd made him fame i'd made her famous and he says that's not a good thing to live with but brenda denies ever contacting geldoff of course course. not shocked not even shocked shocked at all so yeah that is the story of i don't like monday school shooting cleveland elementary school in san diego california that is disgusting Mm -hmm. i mean that was a terrible story but Mm -hmm. like i'm sorry (sighs) Mm -hmm. i I, i'm still baffled as to why and like i know she said that she thinks it's because her father wanted her to kill herself but like, why the fuck would you get your daughter who asked for a radio? Yeah. No, nothing of violence, nothing. And you get mm-hmm. her a fucking killing machine. Yeah. Well, what was that one? <sighs> Did he actually sh- <laughs> Did he shoot at a school or was he somewhere else? He was a teenager. And then he, his parents fled after everything happened. I talked about it on the podcast and now I don't remember because I was pissed about the parents pissed me off. They <laughs> fled and it turned out that it was a school. It had to be a school shooting because when the school shooting happened, they fucking fled because they like knew it was their son who had to have done it. Oh yeah. 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 I know. I know. I can't think yeah. of his name and either. Me. Um, who cares about his name? Like yeah. truthfully, but like the whole thing, like the story of just like, they fully knew that this, their kid was fucked up. Yep. Still made sure that they bought him a gun. Yep to the point he's so fucked up to the point that when you hear on the news that there's a school shooting in your town you know your son is the one doing it yeah like yeah yeah really really and then they flee and they were found in like a warehouse in detroit or something like that something like that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and it was like you don't think that you're gonna get in trouble for this too like you okay you purchased the gun you fuck faces like dumbass yeah yeah no it's it's just sad and like speaking of school shootings did you see that um in texas they gave the children um dna kits to take home to their parents so in the event that another one happens they can identify the bodies i'm guessing by your face yes i haven't heard that now really 
Mm-hmm. I told you something that you didn't know. <laughs> Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Because normally Joey's Charlie... writing down the date and time. <laughs> Charlie... She's like, Captain's log, 1021, 745 <laughs> p.m. <laughs> Hold on. No, I need to, I need to, because this is this this is only as of uh two days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. They're distributing DNA tests to help parents identify bodies of kids that could become victims at school shootings well you know thoughts and prayers that's all you need i mean you gotta be like uh, and like obviously parents are pissed you think like but no here's my um texas is just as bad as florida florida is still worse i think mm -hmm. but like what the fuck are you thinking just you know what it is you know what it really is what really just makes me sad to say it's like what are we doing like what are human beings doing? i know i know what are we doing it's it's ridiculous and instead of taking that funding for these tests and putting it towards security making changes something doing something they're doing this shit thoughts and prayers and easier identification I, fuck I, I you just, that's like a big fuck you i just i just can't it's you know what it is it's the we expect this to happen again yes yes instead of taking the steps to prevent it from mm-hmm. happening again like i just i got nothing I, I i got nothing but yeah yeah i'm sorry to um inform you of that <laughs> no. i'm actually I'm so proud of myself for knowing something first. <laughs> uh, I'm such a like a news whore. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Like, okay, so this news story will happen. Mm-hmm. And literally, I find out an hour after it happened. And I'll text Charlie. She'll be like, yeah, I already know. Uh, and no, usually what I'll do is like, I know. And then did you also hear that this also happened? <laughs> like, and I'm just like, like, I know three more things about it. <laughs> it's yeah so yes you are a news whore charlie 110 percent. i try wow wow (sighs) but yeah that's enough of the depressingness for tonight i'm done i'm done being sad i i i hate i hate her (laughs) Mm. i hate anybody that partakes in school shootings like there's never a good enough there will never in a million gajillion fulfilling years be a good enough reason no never ever i know i've i've said this once and i'll say it every time when shit comes shit like this comes down to children that's where i draw my line mm-hmm. like these children do not deserve this no they're they're young they're innocent you know some of them may be assholes but they're kids so they're gonna Correct. be assholes yeah there is, like you said, Charlie, there is never going to be a reason why that, why shootings at schools need to take place. Never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely never. I'm tired of it. I'm sick, I'm of, so it. sick of it. It's, it's disgusting. It's heartbreaking. Do better, people. I, Fucking do I've it. gotten to a point. I feel like every single day you wake up and you pick up your phone and you're just waiting for the next tragedy to have happened. Agreed. It's always something. It's always something. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, Charlie, thank <sighs> you for telling us that extremely sad story. 
very depressing story. Yes. I'm glad. You're welcome. No- You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad none of the children died. I'm no. sad that the two that were killed custodian. Lost, lost their lives. That's very sad. Yeah, very much so. I agree. So, um, but yeah, on that note, <laughs> if if you love us like we love you like we love you or i no you're gonna love us so because you love us <laughs> you're gonna love me <laughs> what she said um please be sure to uh, say hello to us um mm-hmm. send us story suggestions yes tell please. us how you feel about the bullshit in the world today tell that no, we, we we enjoy that bring it on um mm-hmm. Send us an email at bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Slide into our DMs on the Stagram, as Get Charlie the would Stagram, say. The Stagram, baby. <laughs> at bedcrimestories. Mm-hmm. Like, rate, review, subscribe, smash all those buttons. <laughs> Hit the like and subscribe button, baby. <laughs> <laughs> tell a friend. Tell all your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell mm-hmm. your cat. Tell your dog. You know, they might be able to listen somehow when you're not home. You know, you mm-hmm. saw the secret life of pets. They they yeah. could totally do all that. Come on. True. Teach them how to ask Alexa to play our podcast. Legit. Mm-hmm. And if they do it, like set up one of those. Record like, it because I totally want to see it. <laughs> legit. Like take one of those um like pet cams and put it by your, you know what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. That failed mm-hmm. miserably. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Be the band-aid. Because we want the world to try to be better like every Mm -hmm. small bit of kindness will help because by you being kind to somebody you just might inspire them to be kind to the next person and so on and so forth heal the world make make it it a better place for you and for me the entire human race there There are people dying And honestly, I will tell you, so like, I'm a big MJ fan. Don't even care. We'll totally defend that to the death. That's actually a beautiful song. It like is. it got played out like weirdly when we were kids. Yes. But if you listen to it now as an adult, you're, I, I have actually cried to yes. heal the world. It is. It is a beautiful, it it's is beautiful. a beautiful song. And I'm laughing because we both went high. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you care enough for the living (laughs) so yeah do all that do all the things do all the things have a good night good day good weekend we love you guys we'll see you all next week but until then sweet sweet dreams and heal the world (laughs) make it a better place you know it's great we can't get like copyright because we're so like not doing it correctly that it's fine (laughs) (laughs) goodbye everybody goodbye our theme song is the song industrial music box by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0